You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. Hello and welcome to the latest Birds Banter episode, presented to you by Birds Banter, a section of PHL Eagles Nation. We apologize for the wait, but we are back and have a lot to talk about today. My name is Matt Loopy and I'm a Twitter admin for PHL Eagles Nation, and today I'm joined by Logan Banker. How's it going? And Sean McMenamin. Hey guys, I'm a blogger for Philadelphia Eagles Nation. So yeah, on this episode, we'll be discussing the Eagles' struggles, Carson Wentz's injury, next week's game against the Los Angeles Rams, and much more. But first, Sean's going to start us off by recapping a heartbreaking loss to the Dallas Cowboys. All right, so as you guys know, this past Sunday, the Eagles lost in heartbreaking fashion to the Dallas Cowboys in OT. On the opening kickoff, Malcolm Jenkins stripped Jordan Lewis and either Camus Grugier-Hill, one of the other four Eagles players, recovered the football almost immediately. However, the boneheaded official by the name of Cleve Blakeman ruled that there was a fumble on the play, but the Eagles did not have clear possession of the football. This certainly would have been a game-changing play had it been ruled a fumble because the Eagles would have had it inside the Cowboys' 20-yard line and at least gotten a field goal out of it. This was a worst call I've ever seen in my entire life. Goddard's offensive pass interference call comes close to it. Despite not getting the ball, the Eagles forced the Cowboys to a three and out on that drive, and later on in that quarter, an interception from Rasul Douglas. At the end of the first quarter, the Cowboys led 3 nothing. The Eagles couldn't generate any offense in the first half, as Wentz fumbled the ball in the second quarter, which gave Dallas great field position, but the defense held the Cowboys to three points on that possession after Brett Maher drilled a 62-yard field goal. I considered those three points to be crucial for the Cowboys, but also lucky in a way because Dak Prescott made an errant throw on the prior play, which left one second on the clock for Maher to kick the longest field goal in Cowboys franchise history and make it a 6-0 game going into halftime. The third quarter rolled around, and the Eagles had yet another three and out. The Cowboys added three more points on their first possession of the second half, but on their second possession, Corey Graham intercepted the ball and returned it to the Cowboys' two-yard line. On the ensuing play, Carson Wentz hit Alshon Jeffrey for a wide receiver screen and a two-yard touchdown as the Eagles cut the Cowboys' lead to 9-6. Jake Elliott then missed the extra point, and this would come back to bite the Eagles in the end. The Eagles' defense continued a flight and claw, as Michael Bennett forced another Dak Prescott fumble, which the Eagles converted to three points to tie it up at 9-9. Dallas then got the ball back and put together a nice drive, which culminated in a 28-yard touchdown for Amari Cooper to give Dallas a 16-9 lead. After that, both teams punted on their next possessions, and then Dallas Goddard scored a three-yard touchdown for the Eagles to tie the game up with three minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. This tie did not last very long for Philadelphia, 
Broncos on Dallas's very first play of the next drive. Prescott threw a 75-yard bomb to Mari Cooper for a second-yard touchdown of the for a second touchdown of the day. Then the Eagles got the ball back with three minutes, and on the second play of the drive, Dallas Goddard thought he had scored a touchdown to make it a one-point game, but the referee once again made an atrocious call and the second worst call I've ever seen to nullify Goddard's touchdown after he threw a flag for offensive PI. Wentz then faced a second and 20 on the next play, but overcame it, and despite all odds, the Eagles still scored a touchdown off a six-yard touchdown pass from Wentz's goals and tied the game with Elliott's extra point. Aguilar also had a big 42-yard catch on that possession to give a boost for the offense and put them in great scoring position. The score is then 23-23 at the end of four and went to overtime as Dallas won the coin flip and elected to receive the ball first, of course. During this possession, they milked the clock all the way down by handing the ball off to Zeke many times and only electing to pass a few occasions. On third and eight on Philadelphia's 15-yard line, Dak Prescott threw to who else but Amari Cooper, and it seemed as if Rasul Douglas had made a tremendous play to knock the ball away, only to see it drop right into the hands of Cooper for the game-winning walk-off touchdown for the Cowboys. This was a classic divisional matchup and a very entertaining second half, to say the least, as fans got to see the two teams duke it out for sole possession of first place in the NFC East, despite the refs repeatedly making horrendous calls. Needless to say, the Eagles would have won this game if Jake Elliott had converted on the extra point, and it just stings a little bit more because of that. With this, this loss, the Eagles fell to 6-7 and seven and now sit in second place in the NFC East. Yeah, just some uh, game observations. I'll try to avoid talking about the rest because obviously the Eagles can't prove the officiating, but yet again, we saw the offense get off to a really slow start. They didn't score all in the first half, and they only had 70 yards in the first half. But um, similar to uh, the previous games, they got rolling in the second half. They scored cons- uh, touchdowns on consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter. Um, but like I said, they weren't nearly as good in the first, so they really handicapped themselves. And the defense played pretty well for the majority of the game, but um, they just were on the field for too long to keep up with Mari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, so they fell apart at the end. And um, on the game winner uh, the, in overtime, I think it's kind of um, that play kind of summed up the season because Rasul Douglas and who uh, deserves a lot of credit. He played great in that game. He put a nice effort on the ball, and he made a nice play, but it just fell into the lap of Cooper for a walking touchdown, and that's just kind of how the season's gone so far. Yeah, <clears throat> the defense definitely struggled a lot, but like that's kind of expected at this point. On the, the screen at one point in the game, they flash up a statistic. Um, this season, there's been 13 different starters in that defensive backfield. So like, I don't know um, <clears throat> what's been happening with the Eagles with all these injuries, but Obviously, it's affecting the defensive side of the ball a lot more. And in the secondary specifically, you're seeing Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, Rodney McLeod, all these big names out for the year. Um, Avante Maddox even struggling with an injury. So, like, I don't know. Like, Omari Cooper is going to have that big game um, because of our lack of depth in the defensive backfield. Malcolm Jenkins played every single snap, which I think is very impressive. But... Um, it's very important to see that players are stepping up. And I think Douglas did do that very well, like you did say, Logan. And it's very unfortunate that that did happen at the end of the game because I think Douglas did make a great play on that ball. Yeah, the thing with Cooper, too, is he was pretty much bottled up for the majority of the first half, and then he 
really broke out in the second half. Obviously, uh, he finished with three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I would say probably fatigue had a big part doing that. Because, I mean, the Eagles defense, I thought they held their own for the most part until the end where just the Dallas just had the ball too long, couldn't, couldn't get a stop. It hurt. Yeah. All right. Now uh, we'll go into the next portion of this, which is a big question that everyone has is why – what exactly is wrong with this team? So personally, to answer this question, I would say that slow starts, season-ending injuries, and poor coaching have killed the Eagles all season long. The Eagles' slow starts have costed them many games this year, and a big stat that proves why – is they are less in the league in first quarter scoring with only 2.2 points averaging. That just goes to show that they are never well prepared for the start of games, and I blame this fault on Coach Doug Peterson and his staff. While the Eagles had a lot of season-ending injuries last year, it seems that they have multiplied this year, if that is even possible. Three out of our four starting defensive backs from the beginning of the season were placed on IR, and this has hurt the Eagles late in games when needing a stop, as they are also lacking veteran presence on defense without their usual starters. All the injuries has forced Doug Schwartz to put in young players who are simply not yet ready to play any snaps in the NFL and struggled mightily due to that reason. The Eagles have placed 10 players on IR this season, and this has mightily hurt them a lot throughout the season due to the fact that they are without some of the key contributors of their Super Bowl run last year, including Jay Jai, Derek Barnett, Matt Collins, Ronald Darby, Ronnie McLeod, and now Jalen Mills. That number is just astronomical and truly unlucky for the team, as fans rarely see that many starters go on IR in a single season. The last factor as to what is wrong with the Eagles is the poor play calling from Doug Peterson along with Mike Rowe all season long, as it has dropped off drastically from last year, along with their style of play. Although his play calling on fourth and long was very questionable early on, I will give Jim Schwartz a break on this one because almost all of his starting defensive backs have gone down with injuries, which has led to the defense giving up a lot of points this season, a rather unusual fact opposed to last year's Eagles defense. Yeah, um, good. Um, watching this Eagles defense play last year, they were amazing against the run. And you're seeing, I mean, last year, obviously, when they're playing Ezekiel Elliott and big name running backs like that, they're going to have good games because that's kind of inevitable Inevitable with those types of running backs. But last week with Ezekiel Elliott, he just ran right up the middle every single time, getting great yards per carry. And I think... Um, a huge loss on this team is a defensive tackle outside of Fletcher Cox. There's no playmaker and Bo Allen, Tim Jernigan that we did have last year there. I mean, Tim Jernigan has played what, like one or two games this year. Bo Allen's now with the Buccaneers. They have no depth and they have no run stoppers on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I don't really like, um, I don't like blaming injuries for why teams lose because good teams are able to fill in the holes. Um, so with the uh, starting slow, I think that's a really big reason to why the uh, team's struggling so much because if the score is 0-0, zero, zero, then the defense has to play perfect. Whereas if the Eagles get off to a 7 nothing start like they did last season or they go up by two touchdowns or multiple scores, then the defense has some room for error and they don't have to play perfect every possession. They don't have to get takeaways for offense to have a chance to score. 
So I think because we're uh, starting slow offensively, our defense is even more handicapped than with just the injuries themselves. Yeah, and to go off of that, um, last year we saw a lot of creative play calling by the offense. Like they were best in the league on third downs. Carson Wentz can make a third and long, like a third and 15, look like it was a, I don't know, a third and one. Like he could convert on almost every single play because he was using his feet and Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson was making great play calling. Now we're seeing terrible play calls on third down and most downs in general. Carson Wentz is targeting Zach Ertz. I saw a report that he was over-targeting Zach Ertz. And at first, I didn't think of that as anything because, like, in my opinion, Zach Ertz is the best receiver on this team. But I saw it a lot against Dallas. He's staring down Zach Ertz, drawing the defense to Ertz. And if Ertz isn't open, all the other receivers' routes are pretty much done at this point. And Wentz has nowhere to go. Then you see fumbles, you see interceptions, you see incomplete passes. I think Wentz needs to open up his eyes all across the field and not just look at Ertz for those five-yard passes because we are missing out on a lot of big plays. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Carson Wentz, that's another thing that's wrong with this team because uh, the big news that came out today, Carson Wentz missed practice with back soreness, and he could not only miss this week's game against, this week's game against the Rams, but he could also be out for the season. And um, this is something that he's been battling with all season. He was limited in a few practices through October and November with the same back issue. But he never missed off practice because of it, so it's def- uh, certainly a new development. And um, he hasn't officially been ruled out for Sunday's game, but concerning how things went today, I'd be surprised if he was on the field in Los Angeles. And um, against Dallas, he, he looked fine. It didn't look like he was hurt or anything, but maybe the back issue could explain some of his struggles. I mentioned in, in an article before the season about Wentz's health, how even though his knee is healthy enough to play. It's not 100%. So that causes other parts of the body to overcompensate. And with the back, he may have been over-torquing on throws as part of the overcompensation. And uh, not to ramble on too much further, but I think this issue is pretty significant for a future perspective as well, because now Nick Foles, who has a team and player option on his contract after this season, he has to start. And if he doesn't play great, then the team may lose out on a compensatory pick if he leaves. Also, if Foles stays, we may have no choice but to keep him as a backup and pay him the $20 million, which obviously hinders any offseason moves the team wants to make. And then what's most important is how Carson Wentz is eligible for a contract extension after this year. Uh, he will still be on his rookie deal next season, but an extension may be tough to get to this offseason just because of quote-unquote durability issues. I don't think that he is injury-prone, and it's unfair to say that he's always getting hurt. But in college, he did break his wrist in the preseason of his rookie season. He had a hairline fracture in his ribs last season. He obviously tore his ACL and LCL, and now the back issue. So um, while this certainly won't uh, keep him from getting an extension, I think the team should be smart and kind of pump the brakes on a little bit, uh, wait until next season and see really how he does before they pursue that. Mm -hmm. I think they have a lot on their hands with Wentz because they didn't invest a lot in him to make him that franchise quarterback, and I do believe he is that franchise quarterback but they have to make sure that they are taking the right steps every uh, step along the way because they don't want to give him um, a lot of money if there's going to be issues down the road. Like going into this year when we didn't know if he was going to be ready to play week one, all the fans were calling for Carson Wentz to play, but then people were stepping back and saying, hey, if he's really our guy, we need to make sure he's healthy for years to come, not just week one. So I think they need to make sure that He's not going to get hurt in these next three weeks if he's going to play. They need to make sure that they keep him healthy and make sure that he returns to his best form next season rather than just trying to get a few more wins, which might be pointless. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think at this point, like the team's best bet would probably be to let him rest. He'll, I guess, he'll if he does have an injury for next year, so that he's fully healthy and they can make a run next year. Especially due to the fact, I mean, I don't want to make any more excuses, but just because we've had this many injuries, it might just be better to rest them and then move forward. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of waiting to yeah. play because they are they're only 0.5 games out of the playoff spot, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. this more in a little bit, but. If, if Carson Wentz is healthy enough to play, I think he should play, but we really don't know how serious his back issue is because we've seen it with Sproles where they missed how serious it was with that. Sidney Jones, we saw with him. So, I mean, he could be – the issue could be a little bigger than we really know that it is. Yeah. yeah, so we're looking at a very similar situation to last year. Wentz potentially getting injured week 14, and there's three games left in the season. And who steps in? Nick Foles. Last year – we were guaranteed to make the playoffs, but we didn't know what seed we would be. And Nick Foles had a string of a couple wins together to make sure that we get that number one seed, which we did. And I think a lot of um, fans still have their courage in Foles because we're still very uh, mathematically we are in this playoff race. They're tied for seventh in the NFC with the Panthers. With I mean, to win the division, they need to win out, and Dallas needs to lose out. And I don't think that's very realistic, looking at the strength of schedule compared to the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think their best bet is going for a wildcard position. And the wildcard positions right now are held by the Seahawks and the Vikings. Um, I think the easiest spot to take is that Vikings spot. The Eagles need to go 2-1 and one for the next three games against the Rams, the Texans, and the Redskins. The Vikings need to go one and two between the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Bears. And the Panthers need to go one and two between the Saints, the Falcons, and the Saints again, which I think is very realistic as long as um, if Foles is starting, he can get a win against either the Rams or the Texans, which is going to be tough to do. But as he showed last year, we need to have faith in Foles at all times, and he can show us that anything can happen. Yeah. When I was watching the – Vikings game on Monday night, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I think the Dolphins could beat the Vikings when they play them in Minnesota. I think a lot of people forget that the Vikings did lose to the Bills in Minnesota, so that's certainly possible. And then they would have to lose to either Detroit and Detroit, which they beat the Patriots in uh, Detroit, or they would have to lose to the Bears. And I don't know if the Bears would have their starters on the field in Week 17, but that's possible. I think for Foles, his best bet at winning against the Rams or the Texans is uh, against the Texans because it's in Philly, so that'll definitely help him a lot. Yeah, and something interesting that sticks out to me is um, I saw one tweet before the game that Nate Sudfeld was throwing 50-yard passes to the receivers um, before the game against the Cowboys, and that there's been a lot of reports that he can be a starter in this league later on down the road. And I think it's important for the Eagles not only look at their option with Foles, but see if Sudfeld might be the answer for the rest of the season because he's going to be a free agent after this year, and teams are probably looking at him like, hey, he can be our backup. We're going to pay him more than the Eagles can. So the Eagles need to make sure that they're going to make a good financial decision for Nate Sudfeld to keep him around for the future backup for Carson Wentz because Nick Foles isn't going to, can't be around as much as Nate Sudfeld can. So maybe even putting Sudfeld in for these next few games can really show who's going to be the future backup in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if these next two games don't go as well as the Eagles hope they do, I think we'll see Sudfeld in Week 17. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. Yeah. 
All right, so um, moving forward, uh, so John DiFilippo was fired as the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. So um, he was dismissed after that terrible game against the Seahawks where they only scored seven points, and it was a garbage-time touchdown. Obviously, he was the Eagles quarterback coach uh, last season. He had a great re- relationship with Carson Wentz, and he left the Eagles to get play-calling powers, or, uh, yeah, play-calling powers with the Vikings instead of staying with the Eagles as their offensive coordinator. And um, <clears throat> the Vikings' offense has pretty much gone nowhere uh, with Kirk Cousins, and he is a large part to blame for that. But I think um, uh, DiFilippo's inexperience in play calling could also be part to blame. And uh, Doug Peterson said it's not the right time to hire DiFilippo, which I agree with. I think they should wait till the end of the season, but they really should presume Mike Groh has not done well as offensive coordinator. And um, uh, I think it's important to note that DiFilippo could get head coaching job offers still, even despite what happened in Minnesota. So um, it remains to be seen with that. Yeah, I think even bringing him back as the quarterback coach again or um, anything on the coaching staff because he might, I think eventually, say five years down the road, he will be a head coach in this league. But is he ready for that yet? I think he needs to take another step. um, And if he needs to resort to going back to the quarterback coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, then so be it. Let's take him back. I would love to have him back with Wentz because – um, Wentz's development is credit to um, John DeFilippo a lot because he really showed Wentz's progression and was a great coach and mentor for him. So um, having him back, especially with his Wentz's, Wentz injuries occurring, get his mind right for the next season, I think that would be a great addition. Yeah, he was part of that brain trust with Doug Peterson. So I think Doug Peterson would, uh, would benefit a lot from that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I really think we should bring him back at the end of the season just so we can have a reunion with Wentz and Wentz maybe can get on the same page he was and as the uh, the success he's, he had last year, I think that could be a big reason, um, was a big reason of, from D, D. Filippo. So next year, if he comes back, I think the team would, offense would definitely get their swagger back in a way and hopefully score more points than they have been scoring this year. Yeah, I think that could definitely be a um, change in the Eagles' um, coaching staff that we see in the future. But right now, we're seeing some changes on the active roster. The Eagles have put Corey Clement and Josh Sweat on the IR with leg injuries. And they've signed running back Boston Scott, defensive end Deshaun Hall, um, to the active roster. And like many of you, I think I when I saw this report, my initial response was who? So, okay, I Google them up and try to see what they're about. Boston Scott was a rookie this year, sixth-round pick from – he was uh, on the Saints practice squad. And he's listed at either 5'6 or 5'7, a real small, shifty running back similar to Darren Sproles. And Deshaun Hall is a real big defensive end. Um, he went to Texas A&M, had great stats there, never missed a game for injury. But then in his season debut in 2017, he did go down with a season-ending injury, which prevented him from playing the rest of 2017. In 2018, he's just been on two different practice squads in the NFL. So he has been productive in his college career, but he's yet to show it in the NFL. I think these signings are really important, not for um, like right-away uh, impact makers on this for this season, because I think the running back and the defensive end position for next year are kind of up in the air. 
We're going to have Josh Adams and Corey Clement back for running back, but who knows about Sproles? He's likely going to retire. We need a replacement for him. I don't think they're going to retain Smallwood. So Boston Scott might be the next Darren Sproles in Philadelphia. I think they're going to try to have a trial run with him and see if he can fill that role. And Deshaun Hall, next year we have um, Brandon Graham, if he resigns, and Derek Barnett for our defensive ends. Michael Bennett does have his option to come back, which I think they will pick up. But beyond that, their depth is very lacking. And I think Deshaun Hall, if he's performing well, they could put him in at that fourth defensive end position. So I think these are great signings just to, to show the future depth of our Eagles roster. Yeah, I was going to say with Boston Scott, this is probably just an early trot for him as a Sproles replacement. And uh, he probably won't play much this week just because he's probably not up to speed with the playbook yet. But my big concern is I hope Corey Clement's injury doesn't linger in the next season because I've seen yeah. some uh, speculation that maybe an ACL. I don't know if the injury's really been reported yet or not. Um, but I'm very worried that Corey Clement's injury could um, go into next season where it's kind of like a Darren Sproul situation. Yeah, I think these were good signings just to see, uh, maybe not this week, but in the future weeks, see what these guys can do. And if they have enough talent, bring them back for next year. Because like Matt said, the depth is very thin. But uh, yeah, I think if they have enough talent, hopefully they can showcase their skills and be a part of this team for the future. Mm-hmm. And two interesting facts on Boston Scott that I found in high school, he was a state powerlifting champion. So he does have that strength and it shows in his highlights in college. He can run over defenders. He's so explosive off the ball. Um, I think he's a great running back. Hopefully he can show that in the NFL. And ironically, in the preseason, he did run for over 100 yards against Los Angeles Rams. So hopefully he can get a few snaps next week and re- replicate that success. All right. So um, going back to last week's game, we're going to give you guys a few stock up and stock down players. I'm going to kick this off with the, um, I'm going to give you one stock up and that's going to be Dallas Goddard. Although he did have that huge touchdown taken back by a terrible pass interference call that we did talk about earlier he did have the touchdown, and he did have a few other catches in the game, and it's showing that Wentz is finally targeting Goddard more, which we'd love to see. We spent a second-round pick on him, um, and a lot of people were excited about having his talents in Philadelphia. So I think it's very important to have Goddard more involved in this offense and have more plays designed to him because last year we used Trey Burton excellently, and now Dallas Goddard's not being utilized the correct way so i think that's very promising to see um another stock up just for the fun of it um i think camus grew J. hill and nate gary have been filling in great for the injured jordan hicks and they could be the future um linebackers for this organization because they have been playing solid both i think had four tackles against the cowboys and and are making plays all over the field um Stock down, I just got to say the secondary in general, but this is expected with injuries. Uh, I mean, Devontae Bosby did not have a great game at all. Whenever he was in coverage, it just didn't end well, and I don't think he has any future in Philadelphia as we probably expected, but we really need our starting cornerbacks back. Definitely. Uh, My stock up is Darren Sproles. He had the game-time touchdown in the fourth quarter. And he'll likely have a larger role now that Corey Clement's out. 
And then my stock down is Golden Tate. I mentioned this in my article this week. Uh, I think uh, Tate's one of the more bad moves that the Eagles made this year. He hasn't really been used that much, and it's not exactly his fault. But he was pretty much traded for to spread the field, and he hasn't done that at all. And um, against the Cowboys, we saw Nelson Aguilar and Dallas Goddard uh, down the stretch to uh, open up the field against the Cowboys and not Tate. So it's uh, kind of concerning that we gave up so much for someone that we're barely using. Yeah, for my stock up, I picked uh, Rasul Douglas because uh, personally I think he played the best game of his career on Sunday, especially after he had that incredible interception. I just thought that was a great catch. And he also proved that he can uh, potentially be a starting cornerback for the Eagles for many seasons to come. Uh, and his tackling ability and ball hawking skills also amazed me on Sunday. And I believe he will only get better from this point forward. And then also for my stock down, I had Devontae Bosby and Sidney Jones because in a few occasions they gave a big place to Cowboys receivers throughout the game, most specifically the Mari Cooper. And although Jones was playing through a hamstring injury, his coverage was very poor, and he also demonstrated poor tackling ability throughout the game. And then when Sidney Jones went out with an injury, Bosby was forced to cover Cooper late in the game and made him pay. And Cooper made him pay with a 75-yard touchdown, which is just poor play all around. And I understand that he is still a young player, but he, he has plenty of time to learn, but his defensive stance on that play was completely inexcusable. And I was shocked as to why there was no safety help over the top on that play, just due to his inexperience. Yeah, actually looking back on that play, um, the huge touchdown to Cooper, there was safety help, Corey Graham, and um, he actually, instead of running up the field to make that tackle, he ran under the route and kind of just trailed Bosby to make the tackle. He didn't cut up to try to cut off Cooper for the touchdown. So I know Bosby did miss that in coverage, but Corey Graham is just as much as in fault as Bosby is because he did not make a good um, run to that ball to make the tackle. All right, so next week we have a huge game against the Rams in L.A., um, very crucial for our playoff chances. So, Sean, you want to give us a game plan? Uh, yep. All right, so... So the game plan versus the Rams is... I think we should just go out there, give it all, uh, just like they did in the second half against the Cowboys in that game. And as it looks right now, Nick Foles will be out there as starting QB for the Eagles, and he will have to lead this team to the best of his ability, just like he did in their magical playoff uh, run last year in hopes of turning the season around and potentially earning the last wild card spot in the NFC. Although it looks unlikely that they will make the playoffs, the 17% chance during the final wild card spot. I just want the Eagles team to show some energy and fight in them as they near the end of the season. The defense will need to play their best game of the season against this explosive Rams offense. And Doug Peterson, along with Mike Rowe, will have to improve their play calling for this game if they want to come out with the victory. So it will take the Eagles to give everything they got and play a perfect game in order to beat the Rams. So myself, along with all other Eagles fans, Hope that they can get it done and shock the world. All in all, Philadelphia will need to play their best game of the season. They want to beat the Rams and the L.A. Coliseum, as it will be a tough test to do in order to win and make a final push for the playoffs. But I believe we can do it.
Yeah, I agree with what you said uh, about uh, Peterson and Grow. I hope they have an open playbook for Nick Foles. We saw this in the first two games of the season where it didn't really look like they uh, let Foles use all of his options and didn't uh, let him take many shots offensively. So I hope that they trust him enough just to be able to attack the defense because that's really what they're going to have to do to keep pace with the Rams. Yeah, and uh, going off what you said, Sean, about showing some fight, this season has been one of the most – I know the Super Bowl was just last year, but it's been one of the most disappointing seasons I've ever seen with all the injuries, the lack of uh, fight in this team. And we really want to end the season on a good note to get back onto our championship level next year. So even if we don't make the playoffs, I'd love to see the Eagles just try to string together a few wins, show that they have this fight in them, and fully evaluate who's going to start on this team next year and be ready for that championship run. Uh, yeah, so uh, some bold predictions for that game. Mine is um, I think Nelson Aguilar will lead the team in receiving yards on Sunday. Him and Foles seem to have pretty good chemistry, and he was Foles' uh, go-to receiver in both games to start the season. He had eight catches against Atlanta, and he had eight catch, uh, catches against Tampa Bay as well. Um, yeah, you actually took that right from me. I'll just develop on that a little bit more. Um, watching Foles play, he's he loves those run-pass options, and Aguilar's a great guy to target in those because he can run the slant very well, and he's so fast um, in his routes. So I think he will have a great game. And right now without, um, you know, like Matt Collins or um, Torrey Smith last year, the guy with the most speed on their offense, in my opinion, is Nelson Aguilar. And if Foles wants to throw that deep ball, I think Aguilar should be the guy to run out there on that route, um, as we have been seeing this year. So, yeah, I do think he will have the most receptions. I think he will get a touchdown, too. Yeah, and my bull prediction, uh, this may be surprising to a few people, but I think Dallas Goddard will have another big game, get a touchdown, at least five, five receptions, probably a few more. I think Foles will hopefully target him as he's been getting more looks, even though from Wentz he has, I think Foles will look his way and give him the ball because I think he can create some separation and get open, and hopefully we can get a win. Yep. Great point. So we covered a lot today, um, keeping you guys informed on all this stuff going on with the Eagles, and um, we're going to hope for a big win against the Rams next week. This concludes our episode today. Make sure to turn, tune in again next week for our next episode, and go Birds!